seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You have 60 seconds to comply. This is Minute 26, part man, part machine, or, or pod. pod. This minute begins with static and ends with Don Johnson saying he's legally dead. We can do pretty much. And then it cuts off there. And we're joined once not again Not that Don by... Johnson. Not that John. I know, I have to keep saying that. Um, and we're joined once more by Rick Ingham of the Mad Max Minute and currently the Waterworld Minute podcast. Ah, it doesn't matter. We're going to blank their memories anyway. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is um our technically first reveal of Robocop, but we're getting a good POV uh, look of the... And, oh, I've got a note here. The iconic gridline POV shot. Mm-hmm. It's uh, The whole minute is iconic. I just love yeah. how this is done. And, like, is Murphy just, like, a head in a jar at this point? Yes. How does this work? Yeah, I love the mystery of it. It's like we went mm. into a fade to black and now we're just waking up with this weird computer monitor effect and technicians are poking at us like and it's us. Yeah. Like I said in the last episode, yeah. like we're going along this this journey with mm. Murphy and it's mm. it's just plain stinking cool. It's so claustrophobic. You're really going through the entire process and feeling like you can't move, and there's these people crowding around you. And given the angle of it, mm. it it's below everyone, but it doesn't seem like yeah. someone's lying down. It seems like they're looking, they're crowded around something quite small, whatever yeah. it is. So I'll preempt with a bit of commentary because Paul Verhoeven does talk about this, and he says that they actually set up the camera in a chair. To get these angles, I, I don't know why they just didn't use a tripod, but it might be just one of those things where it's like, we're so low budget and <laughs> we don't have a tripod that works, so we just strap it to a chair. But yeah, it, it's a very interesting, yeah, because you've got like, the domination thing, like, you know, it's almost like you're you're, you're a child compared to these adults. And or a guinea pig. You back down. Mm. Yes. You feel that's, that they are good. poking and prodding at you because they're not 100% sure of exactly what they're doing. Like, the first shot we get is technician number two, who is played by... No, it's technician number one, played by Karen Radcliffe. She comes along, and she starts poking at us and turning the screen. And then technician number two, played by Daryl Cox, he has to come over and start fiddling with it because, oh, it's starting to roll, and he's really frustrated with it. Like, they're just... Ah, shit! (laughs) They're throwing stuff against the wall, and they're going to see what sticks. Yeah, it, it, you have no idea what they're actually responding to because they can drill some bits down or something, and you can twist the, this yes. bit, and you can yeah. Can we talk that? about how when Doctor Tyler says bring in the LED and they do the mm. uh, the array as it's being secured in place, he's using a drill bit, a drill. but not yeah. a. <laughs> Phillips or flathead screwdriver bit. It's a drill bit meant to punch holes in things. Like, how is that securing? I. It's not really important. <laughs> it's just weird. I've watched this movie countless times. This is the first time I noticed it was a drill bit. I'm a yeah. prop builder, and I was like, holy shit, that's a drill bit. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, and then there's the ring light that goes over the top, yeah. and what is even happening? Yeah, mm. there, there's a couple of things where they brought in the tr- the crash team for the hospital scene to make it more authentic. And then when they got to the technician scene dealing with robotics, they're like, all right, what sounds science-y? 
Um, yes. LED, that sounds cool. It makes no sense. Yeah, that's a thing. Technically, <laughs> but like it's, like I said before, plain yeah. stinking cool. Um, yeah. This, this is related, I swear, but lately I've been writing a, a Knight Rider fanfic because it's just, it's fun. And uh, it is so <laughs> much fun writing a story that is, yeah, basically 80s television or set within that kind of uh, era of fiction. And just, I'm not trying to be, I know about technology, I know how it all works, but I'm writing from an 80s television perspective where it's just, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I'm just going to put some weird techno babble in here, I don't give a shit. <laughs> What what is the um what's the thing where Kit's um emotionally is like his AI is some his alpha circuit always bitching about the alpha circuit Michael I can't pull this tow this car because it would bust my alpha circuit and then he just smashes a whole truck out of the way like it's nothing I mean <laughs> okay Kit you look like crap fuck you Kit yeah his body is made out of in, uh, indestructible plasty steel. Uh, molecular something? bonded plasty steel. Yes. There. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is like okay. Yeah. This is like what I love about Star Trek scripts, where it's just like such and such and such. You know, Picard says this, this, and then Geordi says techno babble. Well, shit. That's exactly what I was hoping to spare you from. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Have you guys ever been to technobabble.biz? No. no. It is a website where you can hit a button and it will automatically generate techno babble for you. So, uh, for example, uh, computer, what's wrong? The MK33 radiation grid is offline. Tell me how to fix it. The multi isolinear audio oh. destruct with the subsonic tablet and paramagnetic yes. hollow probe. Like, that's all <laughs> nonsense. It means nothing. And I can just sit here and have the computer bring up all of these different problems like, oh no, there are variances in the ionic power transfer conduits. They're failing. Oh no, quick, get the graviton life support with aluminum matter stream. <laughs> oh no, it's uh, starting yeah, to okay. roll. <laughs> I got, uh, computer, what's wrong? Malfunction in the bipolar generator is not responding. Tell me how to fix it. Dimensional polarity amplifier with the terminum transceiver. <laughs> okay. He's Here's mine. Computer, what's wrong? Bubble is failing. Tell me how to fix it. MK12 cannon banks with multi-adapter warp recorder. Yeah, sure. Fuck, why not? Yeah. And the good thing about fiction is that will work. Yeah. Unless it, unless they need to extend the drama, then it won't work. Yeah, I mean, I do a little bit of hard science fiction. And actually, sadly, a little bit of that's just crept into Knight Rider because I can't help myself. But, yeah, <laughs> it is a lot of fun to just throw all of that to the wind. Don't do any research. Just put hmm. some techno babble in. I don't yeah. mind. And then you can have a character burst and say, Damn it, man, I'm not a technician. Give it to me straight. <laughs> <laughs> in English, that was English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do love when they have like uh, like historical supervisor, you know, technicians and scientific uh, super an uh, advisors. Yeah, they have all these advisors in these shows, and they completely ignore them. Oh yeah, Brian Cox always tells this story about <laughs> he was brought on as scientific advisor for Sunshine, and he reads yeah. the first line of the script and it says the sun is dying it's it's going cold or something like that and he just throws the script across the room and goes well that's fucked <laughs> <laughs> lindy beige does a great video on this it's one of his early videos but it does a video about how like movie 
studios will hire an historian advisor to come onto a movie set and as soon as they ask him a question they just completely ignore it but the the historian just like yep i'm getting paid to sit around and drink coffee yep <laughs> just sit around all day macking on uh craft services and smoothing with grips <laughs> Yeah, I, I do know friends of friends who have been historical advisors, and it is that thing of they almost don't want their names put in the credits sometimes because, like, you brought me on to mm. give you an air of legitimacy, but you haven't actually listened to anything I've suggested, so. <laughs> and honestly, no matter what they suggest, it's just going to get ignored, and then some guy on the internet, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah. is going to be like, oh, the sky's mm. wrong. Yes! And it's like, I'm actually. Thanks, Neil. Didn't oh. ask you. But thanks. Sometimes I will say it is frustrating when the science would have actually allowed for greater story potential, could have brought it into mm. new directions. Um, yeah. Ridley Scott is kind of guilty of this with the whole... He loves AI and robots, but he doesn't actually want to talk about AI and robots. And there's so many times when I'm reviewing Prometheus or Alien Covenant, I just go, but you could have done this, and that's realistic, <laughs> and it would have been real... Oh, fuck. Okay, well... You know, it's more important to have two robots hanging out in a cave playing a flute together. Kissing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was actually a great scene in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I do love Comment, it, and I can't wait to get to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, not to bag on Alien. I love it. Uh, I love you, Ridley, BB. You're, yep, you're just let friend. Michael Fassbender do the figure, fingering, and everything will be yep. all right. <laughs> yeah, we, sh we should always let Michael Fassbender do all the fingering. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, basically, my other note was just, "Hey, Doctor Tyler's pretty cute, huh?" That was basically. Oh, absolutely. She's. I mean, I've had a crush on her since this movie. Yes, and she's not in it enough. No. She's no, played by no. Sage Parker. Uh, this is one yeah. of her few roles. Great name though, Sage. Yeah, but she was acting all the way up until like 2010. I think it was the last credit yeah. to the screen role on IMDb. She's probably the one character in this scene who sort of has some kind of empathy for Murphy. Like when hmm. uh, very, very significant moment here um, when uh, Bob Moore's like, "You saved the hand. Why would you say? What idiot would save the hand?" And I'm sitting there <laughs> having watched the remake, going, "Yeah, what idiot would do that?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's like Jesus, you know. This like it, this is a little going a little too far. Or we're getting rid of parts that we don't need to get rid of now. Man, it's it's mm. really fun to hear dialogue from the character design face for Furiosa creeping into a movie from 1987. <laughs> lose the arm and lose the hair. <laughs> well, the thing is, you just know when it came to the remake, someone saw this scene and went, "Ha ha! What if we subvert it and we keep the arm?" Ha ha! <laughs> that makes sense. Of all the things they could have subverted, and that's the thing they chose. Honestly, I keep <laughs> making. Damn it! <laughs> I keep making the joke of you know they kept the hand for her pleasure. Honestly, if they'd freaking <laughs> gone there, if it was the story of Clara. And, you know, she's trying to still have an intimate relationship with her husband. And that was involved. They kind of hint at it. Yes. Interesting. Good. And also make it R-rated because it's fucking Robocop. But, yeah. Okay. So, speaking of R-rated things, um, have either of you seen... I want to say it's either... Uh, it's probably on TikTok. But there are people that have discovered that when you've got those high-intensity massagers that you can grip the <laughs> massage end of it and your finger will just go crazy. And people uh -huh. are like, oh, I'm going to stick my finger in this cup full of eggs and it's going to scramble the eggs. 
I mean, some people <laughs> have have taken that to the logical conclusion to to hilarious results. Ah, that's the first so thing I, I think of when oh, we've preserved the hand. Does it have a vibrate function? <laughs> <laughs> so I remember like. This is like going back into the 90s. There was one of these like um, Oprah type shows. I don't think it was Oprah, but it was one of those, you know, talk shows. And or, and they were going on about like the inventor of this pocket massager. And it was just this like little, probably a 10 centimeter long little black cylindrical rounded ends that vibrates. And it's, oh yes, yeah, it's a personal massager that you can put in your purse and take anywhere with you. And we sold out. Mm. <laughs> and like... And even as as a you know as a you know, horny teenager, and they're going, they're, yeah, it's not they didn't buy it for the massaging point. Yeah, um, do you remember when PlayStation first introduced the vibration <laughs> function? Yes. <laughs> yes, I was, you know, I think PlayStation Two had it, or maybe PlayStation Three, but either way, I was too young to understand that vibrations uh, for for other things <laughs> and then i got to an age where i understood that vibrations were for other things while playing a game and anyway metal gear solid makes me feel funny now <laughs> <laughs> you're really a big fan of that fight with psycho mantis huh Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well here's the thing uh so the uh n64 had a rumble pack feature mm -hmm. which was an additional thing you could plug in and out you could get an external i think it could have been playstation 2 actually you could get an external vibration pack which was supposed to you know lean against for the extra rumble features <laughs> bullet impacts in a game or something like that I'm not sure if this was a hoax one or not, but yeah, it was almost immediately pulled off the shelf when um, people were using it to basically pleasure their girlfriend while they were playing games. I mean, there people uh, are still trying to sell haptic feedback or, um, vests and things like that. Teledildonics is a field of study. <laughs> it's called Teledildonics, and I'm not joking. Say it again. Teledildonics. Teledildonics. <laughs> that was intentional i what i am in such a giggly mood today i have been making the stupidest jokes i am crying I <laughs> that's because because we're all horny for tyler that's that's, that's Man, I, oh, that's true. I don't oh, know God. what it is about her but she is just entrancing mm. i don't know it might be yeah. for me at least the glasses i'm a yes. sucker for a woman wearing glasses Mm. It's that kind of, I think this for me spawned my like, you know, love of the sexy scientist, sexy librarian aesthetic. Very I much have, so. I, I'm just thinking about it in retrospect, it's like, yeah. I wish she was in yeah. this some more. I think she's on the end for yeah. know, two, three minutes. She is in later minutes when like she's, she's, she's always part of the Robocop team in the Metro West Police Department. Mm -hmm. But I think the last time we see her is when Robocop wakes up from his uh, dream and leaves the, um, the station. After that, we don't see any of the OCP crew except for when Bob Morton croaks and Don Johnson later on the, at the movie. Alas. <laughs> <laughs> More Lewis and and uh, and Empire. we want the Lewis Tyler body cop film. <laughs> uh, yes, Lewis Tyler, gimme. Now, what do you two think about Doctor Roosevelt? Because he is introduced in this scene as well. Yes, he always reminds me of. I, I think I'm going to pull up the name, but he reminds me of that guy from. Um, he's in the West Wing, and he's also also the bad guy from. Um, is it Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore? Billy Madison. Yeah. The uh, Happy evil. Madison. But he actually ended up playing a role in Robocop 3 
uh, unironically. I can't think of his damn name. I'm just trying to pull it up. No, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on Roosevelt, to be honest. He's got big dad energy. Big dad energy, definitely. He yeah. does. Mm. He does, yes. Like, I'm not sure if I necessarily want to say he's a daddy. <laughs> I don't feel like I Is daddy am, still a thing? I don't know if I'm in a good so... spot to, like, declare that. <laughs> But I do appreciate how Tyler refers to him later on in the movie as Rosie, that that's his nickname. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're in the time of uh, of big mum energy or mummy because of the <laughs> You mean nine Resident foot tall. Evil. Yeah, you know where mom. I'm going with oh, this. Yeah. 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 Uh, Step on I'm me, a, I'm a sucker for that aesthetic. Jeez, I'm thirsty today. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, 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 this show is just, we're both giggly and horny. It's <laughs> <laughs> For us, it's because this is probably the first time, uh, I think, ever we've actually recorded in the middle of the day. So by the time we normally re- record at like 7 o'clock at night, we're all like, yeah, we're kind of relaxed, we're chilled. And we're yeah, just, probably. We're just full of energy. I'm yeah. a morning person, so yeah. I mean, I certainly appreciate your sacrifice because, uh, <laughs> let's see, you are 13 hours ahead of me. So far... <laughs> As far as your guests are concerned, you've done a really good job of picking people on the exact opposite side of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roosevelt is uh, the actor Stephen Barrier. I don't actually have... I, I'm just going to try and pull up his uh, IMDb, because I did look at it earlier, but I forgot I closed it down. Because I was hunting to see if there was any Star Trek connections. Oh yeah, he's only done like four roles, and most of it's TV work. I didn't see any Star Trek connections in these minutes. No, but I, I did manage to crowbar it in early with Technobabble. True. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Roosevelt was only in, like... Uh, his only movie credit was um, Robocop. He was in a TV series, Jake and the Fat Man. Jeez, that's <laughs> a blast from the past. And he did a voice, apparently, in 2020. And he has another TV series that's completed, but it doesn't say anything. So, yeah. It's, uh, I'm surprised, because he... You know, he feels like one of those guys who you'd probably see in the background of like a dozen movies. He just kind of like, you know, he just has that kind of quality. He's not a bad actor or anything, so who knows what happened. Hmm. Maybe Roosevelt wasn't the breakout role he was expecting. <laughs> I mean, if it hasn't paid off by now, I'm not quite yeah. sure what to tell him. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days. Well, when, when they finally do the... Um, the uh, the Robocop uh, sequel that was it Neil Blomkamp was uh, attached to it at some point yeah Maybe. I remember that it was going to be a new take on Robocop two as in the original Robocop yeah. two doesn't exist we're just going mm. to do our yeah. <laughs> we're going to do our own Robocop two and we're going to have blackjack and hookers I love that <laughs> concept also was that woman from Airwolf in Robocop two I'm just remembering that I haven't seen Airwolf since it first. It has not held up. Uh, held up. It's just oh my god, rape culture normalized. Wow. Uh, okay, no idea. Cause... Big yikes. I mean, they kind of tone that down in the, the later episodes, but uh, yeah, no, no stringer in the first episode's like, oh, I know what you're here for. No, I'm not. No, you're definitely here for that. No, I'm really not. I'm gonna go down. No, you're here for the no. And then I had to. I had to watch the whole... Because I'm going to be on the Airwolfiers podcast, and just getting through that pilot was traumatic. <laughs> I'm looking at the uh, Robocop uh, Wikipedia, because, of course. Shout out to the Robocop Wikipedia guys doing our work for us. Yeah, it's always good to reference it. Um... The one thing I was going to bring up is 
there's a really great use of black in this particular, and, you know, from leading on from the previous minutes and this minute, uh, the use of black as the figurative death of the character, especially as an audience perspective. Uh, so in the audio commentary, apparently there was a lot of arguments between the filmmakers and the studio about the length of time that the black was going to be on screen. Uh, Ed Newmeyer points out he wanted it to be roughly about 15 seconds, which when it sound, it doesn't sound like much, but when you think about it, you're sitting there in the cinema and all of a sudden it's just pitch black, no music for 15 seconds. That's going to feel like an eternity. And the, the yeah. gag was wanting they wanted to be was that they wanted the audience to wonder if the movie was actually over or not. Oh yeah, 15 seconds is the perfect amount of time for people to look around and be like, um, is the projector broken? Should someone go get an attendant? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the studio basically went, no, you can't do that. And I think even the editor's like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would you do that? So they basically compromised and got to the, the length which I, which I think is actually a, a good enough time. I remember there was a bit of controversy about that scene in um, The Last Jedi where it goes completely silent after oh, that uh, Star Destroyer is, is taken apart. I love that moment. So good, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a, a, an urban myth or not because all these news reports seem to be kind of conflicting about the exact details, but it seems like some mm. people were a little confused as to, where's the sound? I was expecting an explosion. What is going on? I was say, when you have a ton of explosions in all of your movies leading up to that point. And then you get this spectacular thing where suddenly it's silent and it's like, oh, Ryan Johnson, you crafty son of a bitch. You magnificent bastard, I read your book! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think sometimes silence or just absence of of anything can be so effective and Mm. it's... Funny how cinema always seems to be a little bit afraid to do that. Whenever it's done, it tends to be very memorable and it's done well. Um, and let's not forget that in space, no one can hear you explode. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, I had no thought about that. It went right in my head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to get the alien reference in there. I can't always be brilliant all the time. Yeah. yeah, no, you talked about Alien, and I started thinking about, hang on, yeah, there is sound in space in Alien. They shouldn't have done that. And then I just went on a total tangent. <laughs> well, this is where you get into the cinematic language argument of didactic, non-didactic, uh, emotional uh, versus reality. Hmm. And the, the fact of the matter is, they had noise in space, because if you're just looking at a, at a screen with a ship flying past, and you don't hear anything, which would be real, there's no, there's no atmosphere, there's no wind for sound to reverberate off. Yes, there's no sound. If you like got close to the object, there would be some vibration, but no, there'd be no sound, and people would go, but where's the whooshy engine noises? I know whooshy engine noises. That is going to be really interesting when we get to fully electric cars, because. I watched a Grand Tour episode, and they raced these electric cars, and it was so bizarre. It was just like, it's, well, it sounds like how Kit sounds like sometimes in Knight Rider, where it's just this whooshing sound. We go, oh, uh, that's wrong. You essentially just get the sound of, like, the tires on the ground kind of thing. You can hear the engine a little bit. vibration. Yeah, that's about it. You don't get engine noise, and people expect Mm. engine noise. Yeah. Yeah. People don't want the whine of an yeah. electric engine, they want the roar of a gas engine. Yeah, I as as much as I am all about you know technology and uh, a cleaner future and all that, 
A V8, though. Sounds real oh sexy, gosh. right? The thunder of a huge oh. engine rumbling across, yeah. for example, a desert <laughs> as part of a large <laughs> armada with a guy in red underpants playing an electric Ooh. guitar that breathes fire. Like, that scene stop, in I'm Fury Road... Aroused. I would say, please stop, <laughs> I can only get so erect. Uh, that scene would have been completely different if they had electric yeah. cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, in the apocalypse... Solar-powered cars would be a bonus. Oh, absolutely. It just, it wouldn't have the same feel. I imagine that if you were putting together, oh, it's a fleet of electric cars, here come all of these tricked-out Priuses, (laughs) and the the Doof Warrior, instead of playing rock music, he would be playing, like, Enya. (laughs) (laughs) Whining across the desert, sail away, sail away, sail away. Did you see that, uh, I think it's with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, many years ago, he did this commercial. Oh yeah, and the between split. The two. Yes! Yeah, and now I'm just yes. imagining um, Immortan Joe coming at, <laughs> at, at, at Max doing that. How intimidating would that be, though? You've got these giant electric big rigs coming in. There's a guy doing a 180-degree split between the two, and it's just like, you know what, guys? We had a good run. Wearing a mask that looks like a skull. I think we're done. I think we're finished. Let's pack it up, pack it in. the ultimate power move. (laughs) I'm just just thinking, I hope hope there's no cactuses. Uh, uh, even in in uh, in Tron, in Tron and Tron Legacy, they mm. give them a. It is a. It is electric sounding, but it is more of this kind of ghostly whine. It has a bit more presence mm. than a, a real yeah. electric engine would. Well, the funny thing is, you say about the 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 whine. If we do move to say hyd- uh, hydrogen powered uh, automotives, that doesn't even have the engine whine. It's dead silent. The funny thing is. We have the technology to replicate the sounds. Mm-hmm. So you can add artificial engine noises yeah. if you really, really, really do want to have the Vroom Vroom engine. And you can choose your Vroom Vroom engine. Yeah, you just replace the engine with a speaker system and you're golden. Yeah. Exactly. I, that, my theory is that's what Kit's doing because most of the time, silent. And then when he's pissed off and yeah. he's like, Michael, you're covered in oil. Don't sit on my seats. Please do not. And he starts <laughs> revving his engine. I'm like, that's not a real engine. You're just trying to sound intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> I long for the day when you can choose specifically, okay, this is how I want my car to sound today because you know that there are going to be people on the internet mm. releasing all of these custom sound car uh, sound <laughs> kits for your car. Be like, okay, I want my car oh. to sound like a V8 or a V6 or let's see, some guy on the internet made a screaming goat audio file. <laughs> so another, another perfect one, another perfect one. Uh, see if I can do this in, in, in microphone. They're going to give you a... <laughs> <laughs> Instead of engine noise, I want music. Exactly. I want to rickroll the world. Yeah. I think it's appropriate to acknowledge that sometimes what you keep is just as important as what you lose. Kind of like how in this movie yeah. where Morton says, hey, we're going to lose the arm and do to- total body prosthesis. What a segue. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a. I think it's really cool in this scene how Tyler has this little humanizing moment where Bob is basically laying down the law, saying, "Listen, we don't want any 
unnecessary unnecessary fleshy bits on our RoboCop. Mm. And Tyler has that little aside saying, Jesus, Morton, as if to mm. say, wow, all of us technicians, we are the least bit human and you are just such a corporate drone with no humanity yeah. in you. And I love that little bit of characterization they throw in for her. Yeah, she gets a little bit in the next minute too, but we can't get to that just yet. Yeah, I also think it's really interesting the way that they are able to blank out Roosevelt, or that they are able to blank out RoboCop's memory, very similar yeah. to the droids in Star Wars. They could just delete the memory whenever they want. They also blanked out Roosevelt's memory. That just doesn't come up again. So. <laughs> up, up until the point where R2-D2 then comes in and returns it because we really want to undo the hero's sacrifice because fuck you, JJ. <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> I feel like all... Do all American presidents have cool names? Because, like, you know, Roosevelt... I mean, we had a good mm-hmm. run. Uh, we had a good 44 uh, up, streak. Up until four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, and then someone took a... We, we enjoyed one name so much, we used it twice. Right. Yeah. Um, I also want to call attention to the way that Morton and Johnson are conferring between themselves, saying, you know, what do you think about mm. the arm? And Johnson says, A, he signed a release when he joined the force, which means that every single police officer on the force basically signed away their yeah. bodies when they die. And yep. also we get the confirmation that Murphy is officially on paperwork dead and that dead. OCP can literally do whatever they want. They could turn him into a RoboCop. They could turn him into a decorative piece for Sarah Jessica Parker's head on a dog. Yeah, they could put him in a foyer somewhere and cover him in plaster and call him a statue if they want. They could do whatever they <laughs> want because these officers probably either without knowing it or under coercion, signed away everything. Yeah. Yeah. They signed everything away to become a corporate product. Which is insane to think about. I got the script here right now. And most of this stuff surrounding these minutes when regarding the technicians, it was mostly improv Except this actual exchange was in the original script. The whole, you know, we were able to save his left arm, total body prosthesis. So this was actually one of the very few scripted segments of this entire thing. They pretty much ad-libbed most of it, uh, except a little bit later on, which I'll get to. Um, but what's interesting in the novel, this is so padded out in the novel. This is like classic novelization padding, but it's all done from Murphy's perspective. And it's every moment is like, you know, Oh, what's that? Oh, what's this? And it's just all internal monologue. And then, like, they erase his memory. And then it's, like, back to it. And then he raises his memory and then back to it. It's really cool. If you really want to spend $100 on a novelization, <laughs> I recommend the Robocop novel. But it's pretty cool how I... I I'm not going to go over it because it's literally, like, three pages long in just, like, these two minutes. And it's, like, barely anything in the script. And it's just great to see how the writer took the point of view of this entire thing in ran with it and did his own thing and uh, you just it really helps sell this idea that you're looking through Murphy's eyes as he's going through this stuff and you're reading what he's thinking and there's even that brief moment where he's trying to recall his past but he can't and he's yeah. just like who am I and then blank really really riveting just when he starts to think about himself yeah yeah I think that's why I think this movie is a lot more effective is just the 
we get a good sense of who this person is and then he's literally robbed of his humanity first by the Bodica gang and then by OCP and that's more compelling than guy gets blown up by a car and becomes the robot man but he's still got his memories and motions and is still a blank piece of toast mm. yeah yeah speaking of blank piece and toast uh... gaslighting robocop alex how do you feel I feel fine, Dr. Norton. This video begins with Norton saying, paralyzed from the waist down, and ends with Liz Klein saying, I'm afraid, Mrs. Murphy, time is one thing you don't have. And also your husband, who is, you know, in bits and pieces. Oh so. my <laughs> this, I, I, <laughs> I know I mentioned in the other episode that I'm so impressed with Clara in these scenes and... Mm. Mm. Abby Cornish is sitting there and you can tell that she is trying to hold herself together in yes like and she is surrounded by doctors and experts and OCP executives Stooges. just people smiling at her in false sympathy and she's just trying to make the best decision for her husband, her child, her family in general, and all these people are so freaking cold. Like, Dr. Norton is listing yeah. off this laundry list of absolutely horrible things that you would not want to hear anything about. Like, he mentions, like, complete paralyzation, living blind in one eye, mostly deaf. Like, a vegetable is the tip mm. of the iceberg. And then you've got Dr. Allen coming in on the side. He's like, hey, you know what? This guy, he knows his stuff. They're top notch. And like, I can only imagine what she's going through. And it's hmm. so much more interesting than anything I've seen from Joel Kinnaman. <laughs> yeah, I think this minute is actually one of the strongest minutes. I really felt... Yes. I felt something for this character, and there it, it, it kind of feels like she's this little kid who's been brought into the principal's office, and just everything is so overwhelming and terrifying and out of her control, and they're expecting her to make this decision right then and there, and this is, or could have been, the emotional core of the film, mm -hmm. and yes. yeah, you're really making me wish that th it had been Clara's journey because there is something to be told here. Yeah, like this is a reoccurring uh, issue we've had with this film. Is like there's just so many avenues this movie could have gone and would have been stronger, or at least had a more emotive uh, connection. But they just kept taking it back to what the fuck ever they ended up making. Yeah. Just keeping it bland as possible. <laughs> when you think of the 1987 movie, as soon as Murphy dies, his wife and son effectively disappear from the movie. They don't even have names. They are just listed as Murphy's yes. wife, Murphy's son. Here in the remake, at least they get names. <laughs> yeah. yeah, For what it's worth. For what it's worth. <laughs> but then the lack of seeing Murphy's transition into Robocop also helps oh, to work with this narrative of its Clara's journey, as I mentioned in the last minute. There's the, the stuff built in. We are going to get in, once we hit minute 27, a bit of what Alex is going through, but here it's another example of us being pulled away from Murphy's experience and hmm. being isolated from it and alienated almost. Like We are being denied that connection that we get in the 87 original. Mm. It's interesting because... Uh, in this minute, at least especially cinematically, 
Norton is being shot. He's coming across as like the sympathetic character. He's like, you know, yes, Mrs. Murphy, this is like, you know, what I believe to be the best thing for you. It, it, you also kind of know that Norton's not entirely on the up and up just from the previous stuff, but it's funny how cinematically, like, you know, we're getting this, all the emotion, emotive connectivity in this minute is to the scientists and less with the... I, I do agree, though. Uh, Abby Cornish is acting her ass off in this, mm-hmm. and it's ultimately for nothing, which I think is the, the, the actual crime here, because we did kind of complain... Okay, well, we didn't really kind of complain. We kind of noted how bland these uh, this family is in the previous <laughs> minutes. But yeah, this shows you just how much these actors are really putting in. And... It's the people behind the scenes. It's the writers, it's the directors, it's the editors, the producers who are just really kind of ruining this. Has anybody ventured forth the idea that Joel Kinnaman is an energy vampire that sucks the enthusiasm (laughs) out of anything he's in? He kind of does, though, don't he? I mean, I love... I love Altered Carbon, and I think he's great in that role, but that role is basically Harrison Ford in Blade Runner, where that's a very low-energy character who's Mm. just kind of surly and it doesn't require a lot of energy so yeah i I just keep calling him rick flag i just i don't i don't call him alex murphy i call him rick flag because it's just literally the same character yeah angry pissed off guy you don't even get a feel for like oh this guy's in a relationship is he though Mm. i have have notes about that but that has to wait till the next minute we get we get told he has a girlfriend in suicide squad (laughs) does he though (laughs) Yeah, but she's a bit of a witch. Uh. <laughs> oh, so my note for this minute is, I'm not dead. I feel fine. <laughs> I feel happy. I know that the burned portion of his body isn't necessarily mentioned until the next minute, but yeah. it does also do that whole Will Ferrell thing from Austin Powers. <laughs> I'm only mostly burned. <laughs> <laughs> I just need some help. <laughs> I'm badly burnt. <laughs> oh, but how gruesome is the depiction of Murphy's indist- injuries up on the screen? Like, Clara's sitting oh, yeah. there traumatized, yeah. and she has to stare at her husband's mutilated body as if it's a pie chart. He looks yeah. like Anakin at the end of Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Technically, he's more complete than Anakin. Because yeah. he at least has an arm and a leg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's half an Anakin. Thank goodness they didn't get Ewan McGregor in this movie to, you know. <laughs> it's over, Alex. I've got the higher ground. <laughs> Honestly, though, jokes aside, I could absolutely see Ewan in the role of the of Dr. Norton. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Good work. I just can't believe they changed Bob Morton into Dr. Norton. This I know. So it's so dumb. confusing. <laughs> like... God damn it. <laughs> Freaking remake. I swear. Yeah, this is the prob- problem with this media, because they are so focused on trying to have a message of... You were so focused on whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think of whether or not you should. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this so, they're so fixated on going, you know, you know Apple? Apple, that company, and you know Steve Jobs? You know how Apple and Steve Jobs are evil? And we're going to keep telling you about how Apple and Steve Jobs are Oh, no, no, are hang evil. on, but, but the drones are bad. Drones are bad, and also uh, news media, bad. corporations, bad, and uh, uh, war in <laughs> Afghanistan. Is that doing anything for you? 
if if that actually been the focus of this movie without the robot cop, mm. it could have been better. They were throwing everything at the wall to see what would stick, and then they kept all of that stuff. <laughs> they didn't filter through that. They used all of it. It's it's a it's twenty minutes longer than the original and has far less competent storytelling. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shall we? wrap up and because and, i got things to say about the next minute but i can't say it yet. I, I think we really want to get to the next minute yeah. um, i just want to wrap up this episode saying that it would have been incredibly satisfying if at any point in this movie and like i said haven't seen it so i don't know if this actually happens but if dr norton had said i need more scientists bring in everyone and one of his assistants would have been like everyone and he could have yelled everyone <laughs> yes yes no, that's too much energy for this movie. No one raises their voice. That would have elevated this movie. <laughs> A- absolutely. Spoilers, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Shame. Oh, no. Shame. No, that's the cool thing is now you just don't have to watch the rest of this yep, movie. There we go. I don't have to be disappointed. I like your version better, Rick, honestly. Just stick to your version. <laughs> So we've got the we've got the sitcom version, we've got the drama version, we've got the Norton screaming everybody version, and they're all better. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd watch it. It's like Rick and Morty, huh? Rick and Morty, uh, where they have that uh, the the multiverse channels, and they can watch different <laughs> shows from different <laughs> dimensions. Yeah, I want to watch every dimensional version of uh, of Robocop the remake. <sighs> I, th- I, th- I think we exist in the worst timeline for this movie. <laughs> probably, probably. I don't. I can't see it being any worse unless the entire cast was goats. But even then, I kind of watch the goat version, right? But no. But here's my here's where I'm going with that is because if if it was worse, it might actually be interesting because it's worse. Oh, can I get the version of this movie where? Michael Keaton as Raymond Sellers, he picks up a, f- a poker next to a fireplace and he smashes something. He says, you want to get robots? Come on, let's get robots. <laughs> yes. Come on, Niall, why, where were you with this joke? <laughs> yeah, come on, why did the Batminute guy not... <sighs> Niall. On that bombshell... <laughs> Where can we find you, Rick? All right. If people want to hear more of me, they can go to madmaxminute.com or just search for Mad Max Minute on their podcatcher of choice. There are all sorts of things to listen to if you are into Mad Max movies specifically. Uh, We have done each of them one minute at a time, so you can find us on there. You can find us on social media by just searching for Mad Max Minute and Currently, we're releasing new episodes every Tuesday covering Waterworld H2O minutes at a time. <laughs> and you know where to find me, Trivy Designs, uh, and uh, you know, I'm doing all the pods, every pod, all of them. Every uh, <laughs> Everyone! <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, do I have anything? I always feel like I'm not promoting. Oh yeah, my YouTube channel. I don't promote that enough. That's just under my name. Instagram also under my name, but it's Courtney Colson Prime because I'm the Prime Courtney. All the other Courtney Colsons, liars, inferior. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, mediocre. <laughs> yeah, on the Instagram you can see my majestic goth knight cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is, I'm a grown ass woman. I am 29 years old. It was a Saturday night. What am I doing? I'm wearing a white suit jacket and uh, with Sharpie on paper, making a little paper mustache for myself. So you put that much Sharpie underneath your nose. You think any costume you wear is going to look great. <laughs> yeah, that was, I had a great time. It might be the fumes what... talking, but I think I look pretty good. Maybe. <laughs> you, you take photos and all in this fucking Dutch angle, and like you, half, mm. half the subject is like not in, not in shot, or it's just blurry. And like, why did the fuck did I upload this to Instagram? And why the hell am I getting likes? Honestly, better cinematography than Night Rider. Just putting it out there. What's the old adage about Instagram? You take, you can take your photos drunk, but you better add the filters sober. <laughs> <laughs> Ride drunk, edit sober. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Ed writing drunk, uh, I'm sober. Um, and you can find me on Fandom Crossing. I have YouTube. I also do the Kung Pao Enter the Minute. I think I just got an electric shock off my chair. That's weird. Uh, it doesn't like you. But more importantly, we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Simplecast, and a YouTube channel. Please like, share, subscribe, do all the usual robo-algorithm things that the social media... You know, we're on Facebook and Instagram, all that stuff. And once again, thank you, Rick. And until next time... Glory be to the Robocock! That was a uh, song we had to sing at school, but also not with those lyrics. I just changed them. Uh, I was really hoping the lyrics were still going to be Robocop. <laughs> <laughs>